0: it's Leslie Dirksen, and I'm one of the hosts of the COMPEL podcast. Today we have Rebecca Prehan with us, a missionary from the Mangan tribe in Papua New Guinea. She shares about how she and her coworker, Carrie, translated the New Testament into their heart language. So welcome to the COMPEL podcast, how ordinary women spread the gospel story.
1: and I'm here today with my
0: co-worker Leslie Dirksen and Rebecca freeheim Hey, so welcome Rebecca and I'm so glad that you're here today with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. You yeah. braved the winter weather to get out to Durham.
2: Yes, How? <laughs> snowy <Yeah. lowly laughs> and icy. When was the last time you were in Durham? Oh my, that's a good question. Um, that was 1998.
0: Wow. <laughs> Are you serious? I am
2: serious, yeah. I've I just never have come back since I finished my training. So, yeah, it's been quite a while. So you're probably going to see a lot of changes on campus. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have just, in my quick drive-through last night, yeah, I was like, don't recognize half of the place. So So where did you travel from yesterday? Uh, I came in from Alberta, Wetaskiwin, Alberta, Mm -hmm. and straight through. So that was a nice, quick flight. Yeah. Yeah, and that's your home base, that is, yeah. That's where I've settled home since I've been back from Papua New Guinea. That's where I've been living. And yeah, it's been good. I've been back for a couple of years now and just trying to get myself back uh, into a routine for my 20 years in Papua New Guinea. Mm, wow. Yeah. So are you originally from Alberta? Um, yes, I am. Um, I was born in California. My dad's oh. American. And when I was five, my family moved up to Alberta to work at a Bible school. And so that's basically where I grew up, was at a Bible school. Um, And yeah, I consider myself very um, privileged because I grew up at a strong Christian Mm. um, school. I think that's where a lot of my biblical training came from, was from my foundations as a kid. Um, A lot of Bible memory a lot of mission focus um, because of the Bible school connection. We always had missionaries stay in our home. Mm -hmm. And um, so from the time I was really little, I always thought I wanted to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. Met lots of missionaries, just really had that on my heart from a young age. Um, Of course, my parents had some of the biggest influence on my life. My mom would do a missionary box, a prayer box. And it was just a little... Box that had file cards in it, and this is pre-internet, pre, you know, technology. This is you know. So she would have newspaper clippings. She would have handwritten notes and things about missionaries. Mm -hmm. We had their prayer cards, information about the country, about maybe the president or queen or whatever, right in the box. And so every day we'd pray for one of the countries. We'd pull out Thailand and we pray for the missionary that we knew, for the Mm -hmm. leadership there, and some information that she would have. And yeah, so that's how I grew up, very um, mission focused and Bible focused. And so, yeah, I think that's what, how it the Lord used in my life to really draw me to the mission field. So that's, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, that's really yeah. great.
0: Well, I just think, you know, like your mom, just the forethought of, of doing that with you is amazing. And even if you didn't become a missionary, you had a heart for prayer, for, for, you know, thinking about others the and the world, the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah
0: that's really yeah I
2: know for sure I I really feel it. That, that was one of the things that set me on that course was just um yeah just always having that in front of us and knowing that there's more than just our because mm-hmm. I mean we I grew up in Three Hills which is about yeah. tiniest little town in I've Alberta been there. I've been there and yeah. <laughs> um you know but to have the global view of not you know just thinking about ourselves in our little community but thinking about the rest of the world and people that don't know the Lord you know Mm. and um yeah my heart's still still there you know and now we have the internet we have you know I'm always you know voice of the martyrs and all these ones that bring our focus back to um believers in other countries who are suffering and things like that you know and I really feel that making sure our kids have that not just you know but having the knowledge but also having the heart for it um it's pretty important, mm-hmm. you know, because it will take them wherever they're going to go in life, Absolutely. whether they be a missionary or yeah. whatever, you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember praying for Papua New Guinea at all? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. So the way the Lord challenged me into the mission was, I think I I'm not exactly sure what year it was, but it was in the eighties, mid eighties, sometime. Um, one of the teenagers from the Bible school when the he was a um. The son of one of the the staff members at the Bible school, he went off on a summit team, mm. a summit trip, like a kind of a sort of a work trip over to Papua New Guinea, and when he came back, his life was was changed. Mm. And um, the mission actually has a presentation. This is back in the day, well before you know any technology, but the missionary there had recorded it on cassette tape, and took they took pictures of the situation that actually ha- as it happened. Um, and it's called H-Stick Had a Name. And um, mm-hmm. this, this team of teenagers basically went into the, one of the tribes in Papua New Guinea. And when they were there, some of the local um, um, people from a village that was quite a distance away from where the missionaries were located, they came hiking in and they told the new missionaries that were there, like, we want to buy a missionary. We want, we want to hear God's word. And um, the missionaries were like, well, <laughs> um, we can't... Sorry, we don't How much have will you give a us? <laughs> missionary to send to you right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think they were just in language study. They hadn't even been there themselves very long. But these um, these these tribal guys were there, and they're seeing all these, these missionaries, you know, not knowing that yeah. it's a work team, but they're just there for a week or two. And he's like, you know, starting to get kind of mad. But they went away and came mm-hmm. back, and... The missionaries were like still you know we there's nobody we can send mm-hmm. like and so these guys had um a bag and they had some sticks kind of like the size of toothpicks kind of and they were just kind of he started throwing them down on the ground and just saying names name after, mm-hmm. name after name after name and he's like these are all the people that are going to die and go to hell unless we get a missionary comes to, and tells us god's word mm-hmm. And all these teenagers were there and they were super emotional. Like, this this changed the lives of a lot of people on that team, but it also changed a lot of lives of people that heard that story. And I think I was probably about maybe 10 or 11 mm-hmm. and hearing that um, their mission, yeah. I mean, that there are people who are so hungry to hear God's word, you know, and that they're actually dying and going to hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew that theoretically, but. To have this person that I knew witness that with his own eyes and come back and tell us. You know, that really changed my life as a kid. And um, I guess that night, or I don't know, I guess it was probably that night. I can't remember. It's quite a few years ago now. But um, I was just crying and crying, wanting to be a missionary. And um, my parents said that, well, they didn't didn't know what to do with me. (laughs) And they're like, oh, man. they're like, um, well, when you're 16, you can go on a missions trip, right? Mm-hmm. And little did we know that the Lord so would awesome. actually call my parents as missionaries because really? they had no intention of being missionaries at that point. But the Lord called my parents as missionaries um, before I turned 16. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we actually headed over to Papua New Guinea when I was, um, I was, I was 16, okay. <laughs> or I just turned. Was I just? Yeah, I just turned 16. That's right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I did actually go over when I was 16, but not on a work team, but as a (laughs) missionary. As a missionary kid. kid. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. God answered your prayer. God answered my prayer. And yeah, it's, and he kept that on my heart all the way through high school, through, um, I went to Bible school. And you know, you go through those days, you're not sure what you're going to do with your life. But the Lord always kept that on my heart that I really wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to tell people around the world, Mm. They had no chance to hear. And, um, yeah, so it's pretty cool how the Lord plants that seed in the heart of a child and continues to water that all through their lives until His will is fulfilled, I guess. Mm. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So
0: how did you prepare to be a Bible translator?
2: Oh, translation. Well, that came in much later. Yeah. <laughs> um I never went overseas thinking I was going to be a Bible translator. That's for sure. Because Bible <laughs> translators are usually like middle-aged men, white hair and beards, you know, super scholar scholarly. They know Greek and Hebrew and they had all the training and you know, that yeah. wasn't me <laughs> at all. <laughs> and um no, the Lord uh, the Lord had to do some real miracles there, mm-hmm. but um yeah, the Lord um allowed uh, my coworker Carrie and I to join a team of that was already established. Um, there's two families in there and one was gonna do the translating and one was gonna do the teaching and it was all gonna go perfect. And then they decided as that Carrie and I would, you know, they would love for us to join their team. And um, so that story in itself is kind of funny because we always said that the Lord moved mountains to get Carrie <laughs> and I into the Mangan work. And actually that's almost literally what happened sorry no, that's I'm no fine. So fine.
0: Weepy. why am i weeping yes. that's okay um okay it happens i think as you recount <laughs> you know, all the memories God's and... faithfulness and mm-hmm. all the memories yes. it happens it's mm-hmm.
2: just thinking and Yeah. That's okay. It's okay it's yeah it's amazing mean, well, you haven't yeah. been
1: back here for like 20 years like even just being here thinking of all the things like yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, i
2: was the 20, memories. i was 22 can you imagine yeah. when i lived here yeah when it was here before, and you think you're like, yeah, got the world by the tail when you're 22. And I'm gonna go do <laughs> the missions thing, right? Mm. Anyways, yeah. um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So God moved mountains. Yes. So, so yes, Carrie and I always said and kind of laughed and said that the Lord literally moved mountains to get us into the little village of Lele, where the Mengen team worked. Um, what happened was is that Carrie and I were doing orientation. And we were living out at Hoskins, which is the mission's headquarters there on New Britain Island. And we weren't sure what tribe we were going to go into, and there was people going, teams that were going here and there, and we weren't sure what was going to happen with us. And so... Um, All of a sudden, one morning, we heard the helicopter outside and we're like, what? And (laughs) it turns out that one of the local volcanoes had erupted Mm -hmm. and the missionaries had to evacuate out and they landed like, I don't know, seven o'clock in the morning or something. Mm -hmm. So it was a big deal. And we're like, wow. And so we didn't really know these two couples very well. but We had met them um, at a missions conference, but we didn't actually know them very well. But anyways, so we're like, oh man, the Lele volcano has erupted. And, you know, it was all exciting that day. We just kind of went around about our lives. And then later that afternoon, we got a, um, I guess, a phone call saying, hey, do you girls want to come over for coffee tonight? And we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so when we're walking across the field, Carrie looks at me, and she laughs, and she says, I wonder if they want us to join our, their team. And we're like, ha, ha, <laughs> so funny, right? <laughs> like, we don't even know these people. but And sure enough, that's exactly what the Lord um, had And right away, they're like, well, you know, take your time to think about it. We both looked (laughs) at each other and said, we both felt immediate peace in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we ended up... You're like, sign us up. (laughs) Yeah, basically. um, We ended up joining their team because the volcano erupted and they had to come out right then, you know. So, I mean, it was, there was more to it than that. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of, it was kind of always in our hearts through the hard times that literally literally the Lord had to move, you know, moved mountains and got us in there. And, um, Mm -hmm. after about a year and a half of language study and working with the team, um, yeah, we had, uh, the two families ended up, um, parting ways and one family left the tribe and the other one stayed and Carrie and I were there and we were just about to finish our language study. And so kind of by default, we ended up being, becoming the translators on the Mm -hmm. team because the guy was going to be doing the Bible teaching and we needed translation. So, um, it was by default, but it was also by God's plan because the Lord had already kind of prepared us in some odd ways Mm -hmm. (laughs) for Bible translation. Like we both like puzzles. We both like, we're both kind of meticulous when it comes to, you know, um, writing and stuff like that. And I don't know, it was just the Lord just, yeah, gave us a love for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he also gave us, I guess, some capability to do it, even though we weren't old Greek scholars, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, it That's became so awesome. a huge joy, joy to my heart for sure, and for Carrie yeah. too. We just, we just loved, loved doing translation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So how many
2: years did it take to learn the tribal language? Um, we were in language study about two years. Yeah. Wow, that's actually really quick. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Um, our the islands languages are a little more simple than some of the languages in New Guinea, and um, thankfully, um, we went to one of the languages that were, that was pretty straightforward. So, um, yeah, the language nearest, the language group nearest to us actually has a really difficult language and they say that anybody that's bilingual with coal and mangan they would have grown up speaking coal and would have learned mangan later oh, wow. but not vice versa so even the the local people find it very difficult to learn that other language and they're just neighbors to us we can actually see their houses from our house no way. from like we live on a ridge and down, look down on the mountain and we can actually see their but their they're religious. completely different but language groups. so mm-hmm. different yeah. that they can't They don't understand, each like they're not overlapping at at all. And the bilinguals, they don't even, like it's hard for them to speak the cold language. So, yeah, so the Lord, when he mixed the languages at Tower of Babel, he did a really good job because they're they're so mixed up. For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So going back to like when you're translating, like what was that like to translate God's word into a language that maybe has not been written before? And yeah, a language that wasn't your own heart language.
2: Yeah, so the language definitely was not written down. Um, My teammates and I, um, when we first started learning the language, we had to go around and, you know, point at everything and what's that and what's that. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it took us a while. And even now looking back at the old language notes, you're like, wow, (laughs) we don't know word breaks. We, you know, but eventually, you know, it kind of sorts itself out. But, um. And you had computers. Yeah, obviously we had you had that yeah. the technology yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Pretty basic stuff when you think about it, but, um, it, yeah, thankfully we had that, but, um, yeah. So starting into translation was, um, yeah. Well, they started you into it gradually. So we started with a few verses in Genesis, um, the Joseph story. Mm-hmm. And, um, then we work up to a chapter and it's all in narrative. So it's like, Joseph does this and this mm-hmm. happens. And so it's pretty straightforward. Um, And then you slowly go into it, and then you do when you start into translation for real. um, You start into doing a narrative. So I chose the book of, um, or I chose Exodus one to twenty as my first project, Mm -hmm. and so that was that was plenty hard, (laughs) a lot harder than I expected, because God says to Moses, Moses says to God, and go tell my people, you know. So it's a lot of um, quotes within quotes within quotes kind of Mm -hmm. thing, Um, but yeah, so it was kind of. Kind of neat. Um, the lady who is helping me with those initial translation, she, well, of course, we started before we taught any Bible teaching, and we didn't yeah. have believers in there. And so um, there is a, I guess, a religious group in our area called the um, Ponyo Kivung Association. They um, believe in the Ten Commandments. They basically worship them. They chant them as like a kind of form of magic sort of. Thinking that if they say all the right words and God's gonna bless them and this and that. And so, um, this this helper of mine, Kaira Young, she was very strong, PKA, they call it. And um, she, so we started translating Exodus 20, which is the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments that they follow, Are different from the Ten Commandments that are actually in the Scripture, and so um, and of course they 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 do the condensed version, you know, just a line Mm -hmm. here and there. So when the actual Scripture is a much expanded version. So we were going through, you know, and it's not covet, don't covet this, don't covet that, you know, and all these things. And so we're about maybe three or four Commandments into it before she realized, wait a minute, is this the Ten Commandments? And I'm like. This is the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses mm-hmm. because it's um, their beliefs are vastly different from what the truth is. And so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. So that was her first, like, kind of a little bit of a, a shock that God's word is, is a little bit different from what her beliefs are. Mm-hmm. And in the end, or eventually, um, yeah, Kadian got saved, right, in the initial Bible teaching. Mm-hmm. And so she's one of my best friends, of course, wow. and dear sister. And she helped me all the way mm-hmm. beginning to end— all the way mm-hmm. in Matthew to Revelation um, and everything in between. And um, she had amazing. nine children. Nine children. And so of <laughs> Young, and she, she raised probably seven of her nine children in my office. Oh and so my. we'd be bouncing babies. Oh. I'd be bouncing a baby on my knee, going through Romans, mm-hmm. you know.
0: <laughs> and...
2: Okay. Um, we did that for, for almost all of her children, except the very oldest two, and um, <laughs> and many times, Karyang and I would look at each other, and then I would say, "Kids, are you listening? This is meant for you," and like giving little like teaching to the kids teaching that were just moments teaching yeah. moments to so her kids who were sitting there, kind of had to be there. But they I mean, they had toys and they could play outside, but they'd often choose to sit inside the office, and listen. And yeah, I mean, they were part of it, you know, hearing it the whole thing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Wow. Well,
0: so you mentioned your first project being Exodus one to 20. Mm-hmm. What was the time frame of completing that?
2: Oh yeah. I do can't you, Do you have an
0: estimated like couple months?
2: Or... Oh no, no. Okay. This, uh, this is m- many months, like yeah. 20 chapters and not so easy. So it probably took us, probably took me, I don't know. I mean, it would maybe because the, the whole translation process takes about maybe 22 or 23 steps, something like that. Okay. And yeah. so it's kind of hard to put a time frame on it. Yeah. But the initial, um, when you do your initial draft, that that would have taken maybe six months. And then you'd go through all the other steps of checking in. That would maybe take another six months. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, beginning to end, it probably took a year. But it doesn't mean like all day, every day for mm-hmm. the year. It just means that... By the time the process goes through, it it takes a while, yeah.
0: Because you have to have several people check it, and then you have to have a language helper check it, and Bring back translation. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. It's a it's a huge yeah. process, yeah. So I went from Genesis, and we then I did the Book of Acts, and that was an extended period because um, during that time, um, my second set of coworkers ended up leaving, mm-hmm. and so Carrie and I were on our own. Um mm. for about two years. Most of that time we weren't living in the village. Um, we were living out at Hoskins, but then we had friends that would graciously help us and they would go into the tribe with us for a few weeks at a time so we can kind of help encourage the believers, this very young church. Mm. Yeah, so those were those were really difficult days where it was just Carrie and I and not knowing what the Lord had for the Ming and work. And um yeah, long story short, the Lord did a lot of miracles in the, mm. um, in the life of the church. He brought us new co-workers, brought the one family back again. Mm. So yeah, the Mangan work continues to move on. The church is growing. So thankful for the Lorettis and the Flanagan's who stayed, are still there now, continuing on the Mangan work in spite of the, you know, their personal struggles yeah. too with their kids not being well and stuff mm. like that. So yeah, it's, the whole the whole story of the Mangan work is the story of the lord's faithfulness mm. not only in the hearts of the people but a big part of it's in the hearts of the missionaries as well because it shows that god takes really broken unfaithful people <laughs> that we are we're all sinners and he uses us in spite of ourselves and really it's all like it's all him mm. you know it's all him yeah so what do you do when you come across words like
1: in Exodus like temple and geographical locations or burnt offerings and those kind of things.
2: Okay, well, some of the things, um, some of the words, um, we'll just do a little explanation, like for offerings and that kind of thing, it would be the animals that were burnt on the, the table of sacrifices kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Um, some words like temple and ones like that, we can use from Pigeon English because in Papua New Guinea, um, there's about 850 different languages. Different, like completely different languages. But the thing that kind of ties everybody together is Pidgin English. It's kind of a real basic form of English sort of... It's its own language, but it's, it's a pretty basic um, small vocabulary kind of um, language. But they do have a, a Bible. It's real basic, but a lot of the words have already been thought through. And so we often... Draw um, from that for words like temple, for names, for mm-hmm. places, and for spellings and like yeah, that. Cool. Yeah. Um, there are when I was tra- when we were translating, there are several things that is just not in their language, mm-hmm. in our in the Mangan language at all. Um, for instance, um, the word for slavery doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and in fact, the concept of slavery doesn't exist at all. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what it that, is, that means. what that yeah. means. Um, and we would explain, we explain this kind and that kind and. You know, and like Kadiang had no idea. We're like, what? And so for years, so for the, when I did Exodus, we didn't have a good word for slavery. And we would, we just use something real basic that didn't communicate a whole depth of meaning Mm -hmm. um, because we couldn't find anything. Um, but when it came to um, the translation of Galatians, eventually, yeah. we're like, okay, well, there has got to be something. Yeah, like, that's... How do you talk
1: about slave to sin? and yeah?
2: Because it's super important. You can't mm-hmm. just throw some basic word in there. You have to have something with depth and meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, again, so we picked up the idea of trying to get this, get this out. Like, let's, let's, let's find something. And the Lord just, I don't know, I'm sitting with Kyra Young and the Lord just gave me this idea to ask her, like, what do you call a baby pig that's getting ready to go to market? I don't know where that thought came from, just mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Cause we were you know, different angles and different ways. And yeah. anyways, so she said, she said this phrase and I'm like, what did you say? And it wasn't anything that was like, you know, super earth shattering necessarily, but the way the mm. words are put together. And the concept of and it. And the right. concept yeah. of it. Yeah. And I'm like, can you say that for a person? Mm. And she's like, no, she's like, no, people, people aren't. So the words, the mm. words that she used was, mm. and I was like, okay, so can you say the word for people? with that she's like no no people aren't like that I'm like okay people aren't like what and she's like well this is like they're they're tired like they can't escape like they're Mm -hmm. going to die or going to market kind of thing Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay that's exactly like okay do you remember all the things we've been talking about you know sex Mm -hmm. slavery like slavery where people can't run away like slavery in the bible like people you know being forced to work and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing and so I'm like, that's that's what we're talking about. And I was so super excited mm-hmm. about it. I'm like, this is this is huge. And so I told my coworkers, and so in church on Sunday, they um, my coworker Dave decided to introduce it. And so he threw this little tiny phrase out. He kind of explained it a little bit, and people are like, oh yeah, 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 sure that, you uh, know. Yeah. And so then he started using it. So then he went on with a lesson, he started using it without any fluff around it, just using it. And nobody batted an eyelash. And then a guy came in about halfway through, the met, like his his sermon, I guess. And um, and he's like, hey, hey, Dave, what are you saying? What what did you just say? And Dave said, you know, because he'd missed the explanation. So Dave mentioned it to him again, and he's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and so that it was just, like, it that was it. Resonated. Wow. It just that. resonated immediately. Yeah. And I don't know why it took us. I mean, it easily took us easily four years Mm -hmm. to find that Mm -hmm. phrase, maybe more. And um, yeah, so we're still using it to this day. And we're using it in the context of people that are slaves in the Bible, Mm -hmm. like Onesimus and those. But we're also using it as being tied to sin, uh, Mm -hmm. slaves to sin, slaves to God, and that kind of thing. Because it, it didn't literally mean like a person literally tied up with ropes and handcuffs and that. It kind of, it could be, but it's more of the position of they're in a positionally tied, like they can't run yeah. away kind yeah. of thing. And that's what our sin does to us. Like mm-hmm. we can't run away from it. We're, we're tied to it. We're tied mm-hmm. to Satan. We were, you know, and now we're tied to God, you know. And so yeah, that was that was a huge breakthrough for us. Mm-hmm. There's other words that, that doesn't yeah. exist in their language either, like salvation. And how can you have a church <laughs> and a Bible translation without being used having a word for salvation. Mm-hmm. But we worked our way around it and that one we had to just um that turned into kind of a bigger phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, more like, than just one word. So Yeah,
1: but it's again it's like, yeah, you're seeing God's faithfulness revealing like, yeah, God's word can be translated
2: into language He created. Exactly. So that's so exactly. Cool. Yeah. And the things that weren't there, you know, were there. We just had to look harder mm-hmm. for it, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's It's yeah, it's crazy. Like there's so many things when it came to the translation. Like I just loved working with Kata Young. She was so she was my main helper and Carrie had a series of different helpers over the years and we worked together. She would work on her project. I would work on my project um, in separate books. So she did the books of Luke and Mark, Galatians, uh, First Timothy and then I, you know, did my own as well. But, um, and Katya Young helped her as well. But she was mostly my helper. And she was so excited and so thrilled to be doing translation. Like I said, she bring her kids. Mm. This is not typical. But her husband said, I will do the garden work. What? Really? And you go and do the Bible work. Wow. And that is that, that's, huge. I, that's the only person i ever heard of that ever happening mm-hmm. to. But she would come with a couple of her kids and some would be in school and whatever. She'd bring the younger ones. and But every day, almost, without mm-hmm. fail, she'd be so emotional. <laughs> she'd be so excited. And almost two or three times a week at least, it seemed like she would end with, like, when's everybody else going to get to hear this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Katya, you and I are... Like in Canada we'd say you know breaking trail or you know going ahead like breaking like through the snow kind of thing. And, and there they would say, you know breaking the breaking the bush, like breaking the jungle like you know they would somebody would go ahead with their machete and cut a path so that everybody else could come behind and it's easier. and we were we were breaking the trail for the Mangan people in our translation. So Kadian got to be the first Mangan person to hear all of the New Testament and she still is the only well, almost the only man person who has heard the entire new Testament beginning to end in one form or the other, Mm -hmm. because we've had helpers, but I wouldn't say that some of them heard all of it. Mm -hmm. We'd be going through like Romans and she would get so emotional and she would be like, man, like when does everybody else get to hear this? And I'm like, okay, they will eventually, but you and I have to do our work first, you know? And she was so excited. And when we were doing, um, I guess it was Romans, so Romans eight, you know all those incredible verses in Romans. God is for us. Who can be against us? And all these with the guys who are doing the chucking. They get so they get so choked up. We can hardly continue. I'm crying. They're crying. We're all crying to hear it for the very first time in your own in their language, language. You know, that's amazing. So amazing. And with Cariang, I mean, we struggled. Romans was so hard. That was mm. our first hard book. And it seemed like everything else after that kind of hinged on Romans. I mean, mm. the, a lot of the concepts that we struggled with through Romans, when they come up in other books, we've already struggled our way through it. So it was easier to communicate. But um, there was that, those verses where it talks about um, substitutionary death. And that, that's a concept that mm. does not exist and probably I would assume in most cultures where you would die for somebody else Mm -hmm. in our culture, we can kind of make it imagine it because you can imagine, well, if somebody broke into your house with a gun, you know, save me, you know, save my child in the mangan culture. That doesn't exist. There's nobody breaking into houses. Mm -hmm. There's no threat of death. There's no war. There's no huge crime. (laughs) Imagine Mm -hmm. living in the jungle. I mean, it's not a perfect society at all. There's sin is there, but man, you're not Yeah, you're not gonna be killed probably, mm-hmm. usually. But um, the whole idea of substitutionary death was really, really hard to communicate in Ming and for me and Young And I we went through it, went through it, went through it and over days and oh it took us and so we kinda roughed out something and I wasn't sure if she's actually getting it or not, you know the verses that talk about for you might die for a righteous person if they're very good, but you know, you wouldn't just die for any person. Yeah. And, um, so I didn't, wasn't sure if cutting actually got it until one day, I think, I don't remember after church or something, the ladies were sitting around talking and I kind of perked up. I wasn't involved in the conversation, but I heard cutting telling somebody else and she was basically quoting that entire section of verses <laughs> where, you know, well, he loved us even when we were, you know, sinners and, mm-hmm. you know, and the whole thing with, you know, about dying for us, when we were still sinners. And I was just, I forget all the words, but she, she basically quoted that whole section of scripture. And I was like, okay, she's got it. She's got the concept, you know, And it, it was, that was such a huge moment for me because I was like, I wasn't sure if she really understood or if she was yeah. just kind of like parroting back. 'cause I because with translation, you talk a lot and you say a lot of things, and my mangan isn't good like a uh, natural speaker, you know, so i would we would be saying all this and saying all this, and I would get her and then she would give it back to me in her natural way, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, that was a huge moment in in the translation when Kadian got that that concept of substitutionary death and that that section of scripture that oh man, I felt mm-hmm. like it communicated. Once we got worked our way through that, it was such a struggle, but in the end, she really caught it, and she really was able to communicate it really well, I think, and mm-hmm. so that was a big breakthrough for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this summer, you guys printed the New Testament, right? Yeah, we Actually,
2: finished. Did they get it yet? Like, or no, okay. no, not yet. Oh. <laughs> um, so we we had our final translation okay. check for the entire New Testament mm-hmm. it was March thirtieth, two thousand nineteen. And that was a really big day. It was Mm -hmm. less exciting and more exhausting. Yeah. I was numb. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I called the people in the village. Can you imagine? They have cell phones in the jungle. Yeah. And I called Antone and I'm like, um, one of my other helpers, Mm Antone, it's done. And I burst into tears and I'm crying. Like up until that point, I was like... Totally numb and chill. It was like no emotion, go, 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 go. and then yeah. I was like told on time. Like we're done, and I started to cry. And they're all they're all shouting and tearing. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty crazy yeah. actually. Oh, past the Kleenex box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more. I'm losing it. And so that was that was that was good, but it wasn't technically oh, done man. because just the tre- just the checking was done, but we had a lot of um, had some revisions to do. And so finally, um, in August, we went. It got sent to um, our headquarters where they do the formatting mm-hmm. and and all that. So that was in August. And so, the first book came off the press in September. And so, yeah, that was pretty yeah. crazy uh. to for me to hold that in my hand. And so <laughs> uh, now we've sent a few copies over for the Bible teachers to start using. And then mm. the dedication is going to be in June, 2020. Okay. So that would have been, mm. the Mangan works started in 1998. Wow. So from 1998 yeah. till 2020, that's how many years it's taken for them to get their actual yeah translation yeah. in their own hands. We, I mean, they didn't start, we didn't start doing the translation until about 2004, mm. but it's taken quite a few years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Right. So it's, It'll be an exciting day for sure. And they've had it. They've had scripture in their hands. It's not like they've had to wait this whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. But as we did each book, we'd print it and give yeah. it to them. But this will be an all-in-one cover, so yeah. that's extra that special so for cool. them.
1: Yeah, what an accomplishment cool. of your faithful service and doing that, but also, again, like God's faithfulness, and mm-hmm. that's over 15 years. Yeah. And yeah, I love all the amazing. stories Yeah,
0: just to hear how your language helper, like the lights just came on. Yeah. And, and yeah. she was able to relate to you again what scripture was saying. It was and that beautiful. was early days. Those were in yeah. the really early
2: days. And since then, we've had, I mean, it's happened many times. Like I said, several times a week, she would be like, When does everybody else get a chance to hear this? Yeah. You know? And that's that was just the theme of the whole 15 years almost. You know, even to the very end, we're doing revelation. And, mm. and they're like, When does everybody else get to hear this? We're like, yeah. Well,. Soon, yeah. soon, very soon. So, yeah. so, you will make plans to
0: go over to Papua New Guinea in, in June.
2: Yeah, I'll be going over June. in um, in June with Carrie and um, some of my previous coworkers as well. We're all going over, so that will be kind of a fun party, exciting yeah. time. <laughs> Let's lift up the Lord's yeah. name for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I've I'm transitioned back to Canada now. In two thousand sixteen, I was diagnosed with MS. And um, I'm not able to live overseas anymore. I'm on medication that I can get in Canada. It's not easy. I can't get it overseas. Um, And just the Lord's timing in in this whole thing has been pretty incredible because apparently the MS started in 2004, the same year I started the translation. Are you serious? They can trace it back? Yeah. Yeah, with MS, one of the very first um, signs that you have MS is vision issues. And in 2004, I had a, a thing, funny thing, With where I went eyes. blind in my left eye just for a couple days, mm-hmm. and that's called optic neuritis, and that's a mm-hmm. MS thing for sure. And so that's, yeah, so that was my first furlough. Went back to New Guinea, started in a translation. So, and I've had many um, flare-ups since then. Um, in fact, I was in Canada for a few of those, and the Lord just allowed that the doctors not to think about MS And Mm -hmm. the Lord just kept that hidden all these years. And for, like, I don't know, they never thought to give me an MRI or anything. So, yeah, so all the years I've had, I was doing translation, I had MS and didn't know it. But the Lord graciously gave me the strength Mm -hmm. to continue on. And then in 2016, I was in Lele, got very sick, had to be medevaced out. And that's when I got the diagnosis of MS And so, um, yeah, but it was towards the end of the translation. Um, the Lord allowed me to go back a couple of times after that to finish off, um, the different books. And then this year I was over for three months to finish off the Mm -hmm. final, final, final checking. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, to God be the glory. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally Mm -hmm. he could have stopped it back in 2004 Mm -hmm. and somebody else would have continued on probably, but, um, the Lord allowed me to have the, the energy to do it. So yeah, so I'm living here in Canada now and still involved with them and work from a distance to some degree. We'll continue to help with translation as it needs to happen over the years to come. But yeah, I'm really excited that my co-workers the Flanagans are there. Mm-hmm. The church is going ahead. They definitely have their share of struggles. That's yeah, for sure. But there's ladies' meetings that are happening, there's teenagers that are getting together. The church is is really growing and um, it's pretty exciting. Wow, well, this
0: has just been so great to hear her story. So it was just so cool to hear your own testimony,
1: how you came into missions. I was just influenced by hearing about missions as a young child and as now an older missionary, what would you share to younger people or younger missionaries who are interested in someday, yeah, doing church planting among the unreached or even doing translating? Like, do you have advice or any thoughts for them?
2: Um, my thought, my advice, I guess, is just to take it one step at a time. Don't be afraid to, to go ahead and trust the Lord to open and cl- close doors for you because um, you might not realize what gifts and talents the Lord has given you until you're in that situation. But, you know, the Lord, the Lord gives you the grace for whatever he has for you. It gives you the the joy to be able to do it, the ability to be able to do it. And even though you're sitting at home thinking, ugh, I could never be a Bible translator, <laughs> I was totally that person. And even now, I'm like, I'm still totally that person thinking, how in the world? Mm. But it's it's the Lord. The Lord gives you the ability to do it. And um, of course, the mission provides you with the training and the skills and the helps as well. It's not like you're just floundering out there by yourself. But when it comes to any any part of life, Um, no matter if it's in translation, working in a tribe, or just going overseas. Like that's Mm -hmm. just even moving overseas is a big deal to most people. And, um, And with your kids, like I don't have children of my own, but all my coworkers do. And just to see how the kids flourish in a foreign country, you know, but I'm sure that initial step for parents, it's hard. It's hard to take your family to somewhere new. And with a lot of unknowns and a lot of Daunting things ahead, but just, um, you know, we all just need to, to trust the Lord for each step, no matter what step that is in our lives, whether it's translation or overseas or living here with whatever challenges we have here as well. And, um, yeah, it's a good reminder to me, I guess, a really simple verse, I guess, that I've been clinging to um, the past few years of my life is, um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you know my child from my childhood to my teenagers moving overseas and now my move back to Canada Jesus Christ is the same he's the same here he's the same at Papua New Guinea hmm. no matter what stage of my life I'm in he's still the same and he's going to take care of me the, the same as he did before so I can really trust him in that
0: that's, that's good
1: that's so wow. good I love that I love that truth well thank you so much for coming and sharing with us that was so encouraging mm-hmm. to hear just your story and yeah, god's faithfulness in your life so
2: yeah thank you for having me here it's been great
1: hey we hope you enjoyed hearing from rebecca i was so encouraged by hearing how god worked in her life and how he used her to do something she never thought she'd do translate the bible into another language isn't it incredible to see how god has equipped her to do his work If you have questions about anything we've talked about so far, feel free to email us at compel at ethnos.ca. We would love to chat with you. If you are interested in missions and want to find out how you can be involved, pop over to ethnos.ca to learn how you can be involved in church planting among unreached people groups around the world. Thanks for listening.